Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney Kevin Tharp and Financial Advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Investing versus planning. I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And Gary, there is a difference between investing and planning. People think, oh, I have a, I, I'm, I have a financial plan because I have an investment. I have and, accounts. And Kevin, that, that's, that's pretty typical. Most people who are in their working careers still, they have a 401k. If they're even getting close to retirement, you might ask them, do you have a plan? And they'll tell you, yes, I, I have a plan. I've got my 401k. My wife has her 401k. We've got savings in the bank. We have these, these plans out there, these financial plans, but they really don't have plans. What they have are investments. They're investing some way or another. What we always tell people is your investments are simply a part of that overall plan. One thing I've found out over my lifetime, Kevin, is you can just about achieve anything as long as you have a plan in place. You can overcome problems a lot of times just by putting a plan in place to address those problems. And it amazes me sometimes why people put so much, so little emphasis on planning for their financial future, for planning for their retirement. Most people get serious about it as they get closer to retirement, or maybe they're even in retirement when they decide, well, I guess it's a little late, but we need to put together a plan. And I always say, yes, it may be a little late, but uh, now is better than never. And it, you will benefit from putting a plan together. When people come into my office to talk about their retirement and their financial planning, a lot of times questions first are about investments, how the economy's doing, how they're, how different investments they have are doing. And so sometimes they may just give me a statement and they may want, may want my opinion on the statement. Let's say they have a brokerage statement. They may want my opinion on the investments inside that statement. And um, I'm, I always tell them we're probably getting the cart ahead of the horse because you have those investments. If they aren't in a plan or, or part of a plan already, we need to think about the plan those investments are going to be a part of. So the investments, naturally, they're important because that's your money. But let's, let's address the plan, the process of creating the plan first before we concern ourselves with how these, the plan, how your investments need to match that plan. And so this is something that we always try to get across to people. We're more interested in you and what your goals are. And a lot of times we'll ask people, if they aren't retired already, when are you going to retire? That's a good place to start. When do you plan to retire? What are you going to do during retirement? Um, we really don't believe in advising clients on their investments until we get this straight, what your plans are. What do you want to do? We don't want to get into analyzing and criticizing things that we don't necessarily need to do at this point when you don't even have a plan in place. We need to know what you want to do. It's very important that we need to know what you want to do rather than actually what you have right now. What do you want to do with this money? What do you want to do in your retirement? 
because there's a lot of different things that people want to do. Everybody's different. So the investments that one person has could be identical to the investments another person has, and the investments that person A has will address their retirement plan perfectly. Person B, with the same investments, they those investments might not address their plan whatsoever, even though they're the same investments. And so everybody's different. We have to have the conversation, number one, what are you going to do? What do you, What are your plans for retirement? What, how do you want to live? We're talking about the difference between investing and planning today on truth and planning. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney, and I'm talking with my co-host, Gary Anderson. And Gary, I would imagine that if a client told you, well, my what I'm planning on doing in retirement is I'm planning on sitting on the front porch and reading my newspaper and drinking coffee without having to worry about anything. And I'm sure that probably about a week or so later, you're going to get a call from that person's spouse saying, okay, we got to change these goals here, uh, definitely. So I can see how a person's investing may be different if you're just going to sit on the front porch and read the newspaper every day, how that's going to quickly change. Well, ironically too, Kevin, the more you sit there on that front front porch and the more you drink coffee, the more you start thinking about things and worrying about them. So that doesn't really work either. So. And yes, you got to have a plan. And and. That is the most important thing. What we don't want to rely on when we help people with a plan is these rules of thumb that have been out there forever as far as retirement is concerned. And sometimes the rules of thumbs, you know, there's there's several, but one rule of thumb is, well, your retirement income is really going to only be 80%. You're only going to need about 80% of your in, your present income for your retirement income. So let's say you're making $100,000 a year right now. What the, That rule of thumb says, okay, in your retirement, if you can get by with $80,000 a year, that's good. We don't believe in that rule because, again, everybody's different. Everybody has a different idea of what their retirement should look like, and everybody has different amounts of money to address those ideas and those wishes. Another investment, another uh, rule of thumb is uh, the 60-40%. The 60% stocks, 40% bonds. People call that a lot of times a diversified portfolio because they have 60% stocks and 40% bonds. That's a split between those two types of investments. That rule of thumb, we don't follow that rule. And hopefully a lot of other advisors out there don't follow that rule either. Because that's a sure way, if you use that as a standard, that rule of thumb as a standard for everybody or for the majority of people that you're helping plan for, that can come up short. And we're seeing a lot of these things now. That's being manifested at this point in time because of the interest rate risk that we have involved with bonds. And yes, you can get a pretty decent return on a bond right now. But what about those bonds you bought three years ago and four years ago when interest rates were low? What's happened to them? Well, the value of those bonds is less right now than it was three or four years ago. So if you needed that money out from those bonds at this point in time and you sold those bonds, you're going to get less than what you put into them. So this doesn't work overall. Sometimes people don't have any need for bonds and 
bond, either or that or either bond funds for that matter at all. It depends on the individual. So this is what we have to do as far as putting together a retirement plan is also understanding the investments you have there and create these investments accordingly according to what it is you want to do, what your wishes are, what your how much income do you need during retirement? That's a question we ask. How much income do you want to make during retirement? And people a lot of times will tell us, yeah, I want to make exactly what I'm making right now. Some people that works very well for. Some people are finding they make more money in retirement than they did before they quit, before they stopped working. So that possibility exists well, but that is always a good question to start with as well as what do you want to do? How much money do you want to make? Question number one. What do you anticipate to make in retirement, and what do you feel comfortable making? And the plan kind of starts from there. Gary, I know that our listeners know that there's a lot more involved with this and would like to have it specifically tailored to them. That's one of the things I know, that having a plan can be specifically tailored to what your goals are. There's a difference between the guy that wants to sit on the front porch and the person that wants to go out there and do charitable work and other things. Mm And so the best place to start is get this opinion from you. How can they reach you? And Kevin, it's just a conversation. That's all we want to have is a conversation at this point. To see where you are, what your ideas are, we want to get to know you. They can, you can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847, on our website, gary-anderson.com. In the next segment, we're going to talk about will or trust. What's the difference? or trust. What's the difference? I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, in your previous segment, you talked about one of the things to be wary of in financial planning are those rules of thumb. And there are a lot of rules of thumb in financial planning and investing. And uh, I like the comment that you made about if you follow those rules of thumb and apply it to everybody, it'll come up short. Mm-hmm. And there's a rule of thumb that makes a huge difference in estate planning. Estate planning is simply this. You might remember me saying this on the show before. Estate planning simply comes down to this. What's going to happen to my assets when I die? And when that question is posed to most attorneys, they follow the rule of thumb of, well, you know the answer to that question because you have a will. That's typically the rule of thumb in the estate planning industry. And a lot of times that question is posed by an attorney that might be a general practitioner. And I'm not diminishing that, but there's a lot of attorneys that do a little bit of everything. They do a little bit of real estate. They do a little bit of uh, estate planning, maybe go to court, maybe handle business transactions, maybe handle bankruptcies and divorce. Uh, There are a lot of attorneys that handle just about everything. You go on a website and most big law firms Uh, or most medium-sized law firms, especially in smaller towns, Gainesville and around, you'll see a lot of general practitioners that do a little bit of everything. And so in this area of estate planning, by following that rule of thumb, that's usually an indication that they're not really specialists in this area because they follow that rule of thumb. We'll just give them a will, that a will or a document solves everything. 
Now, Gary, there's also a lot of estate planning attorneys, those who really do specialize in estate planning, and they will also follow that rule of thumb. A will solves everything. Just what's going to happen to my assets when I die? Well, you know the answer to that question because you have a will. But in estate planning, there's an alternative document called a trust, and it's specifically called a revocable living trust. Because the answer to the question, what's going to happen to my assets when I die? And we start with that first because we know that's going to happen to all of us. What's going to happen to my assets when I die? You know the answer to that question if you have two things involved. You have a complete estate plan, which will not come up short. A complete estate plan comes up, incomplete estate plan comes up short. And by following that rule of thumb in every situation, you're going to come up short. Your plan is going to come up short. If you use a will, here's why a will will come up short. Because it's missing title. You cannot title your assets in coordination with a will. So one big, but you can do that with a trust. The trust, my trust can be the title owner of my home or my banking account. It can be the beneficiary of my retirement account. It can be the beneficiary of my life insurance policy or annuity. And it's that difference. It's titling my assets in coordination with my legal document that contains my wishes about what I want to happen to my assets when I die. You now have a complete estate plan. You cannot have that with a will. And so a will comes up short Here's what happens, has to happen. First of all, there's probate. You have to have probate involved because your will is missing title. If a will was a complete estate plan, if a will took care of everything, if a will determined what happens, determines what happens to your assets when you die, you wouldn't need probate. So that's a real important question to ask when you're talking with somebody and you ask them, so what's the difference between a will and a trust? Oh, you don't need a trust. Just do a will. That cover, you have everything you need. Well, will I need to go through probate or will my family need to go through probate if I have a will? That question is, yes, they will. Why? It's a bedrock law. The absence of title equals the presence of probate. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney. And, Kevin, I think a lot of times people get confused, naturally, on the purpose of probate and a lot of times why you want to make sure you avoid probate or your loved ones avoid probate. And the way you avoid probate is simply this, Gary. It's no, regardless of how much your stuff is worth, Title your assets in coordination with your document, and you will avoid probate. Title determines whether you go through probate or not. So one big difference between a will and a trust is title. You can title your assets in coordination with your trust. And if that trust is a revocable trust, you don't ever give up ownership over those assets during your lifetime. So if your home is titled in a revocable trust and you want to sell it a year after you set up the trust, you can do so. Why? Because you've retained ownership. If you die 
and it's not titled in a trust, your home is not titled in a trust, then you're likely going to go through probate. At some point in time, if it's not you, it's your surviving spouse, it's your children or grandchildren. But pro, uh, title and will can never be ever coordinated together. Therefore, probate is involved. So the big difference between a will and a trust is title. And that difference determines whether you should go through probate or not. And a lot of people will tell you, a lot of attorneys will tell you, well, probate in Georgia is no big deal. Well, if that's the case, I would ask, if I were sitting in your position, an attorney tells me that probate's no big deal, then here's the question that I would ask. So do you have everything set up so your family will go through probate when you die? Do you have your retirement account set up so that your retirement account will go through probate when you die? Do you have a trust set up for your children in your will? And how is that trust going to be funded for your children if something happens to you? I promise you, without exception, if that attorney has a retirement account or a life insurance policy, they do not have it titled in such a way that it will go through probate. They have beneficiaries named or designated. One of the worst assets you can ever have go through the probate process is a retirement account, an IRA, a 401k. But if probate's not any big deal, then just make your estate the beneficiary of your IRA. After all, your spouse and children or grandchildren are the beneficiaries of your estate, so probate's not any big deal. Make them go through the probate process. Okay? There's a difference. Most people, if they're presented with the opportunity that they can avoid plan to avoid probate, they want to do it. Here's what I tell people. Why go through this court government process if you don't have to? Now, I can I could understand if there was no alternative and everybody had to go through probate. Because you see, the purpose of probate is to pass title from the deceased person to their beneficiaries they've named in their will. And if they die without a will, then it passes to their intended beneficiaries that the state of Georgia has set. But either way, you got to go through probate to pass title if you don't take care of title before you die. So how do you take care of title before you die? Coordinate it with your document. And a trust is the only legal document that will let you do that while you're living and before you become incapacitated or before you die. And if it's a revocable trust, you don't give up ownership while you're living. So title and document coordinated together is a huge difference. And that's what a trust gives you because the biggest difference is there will be no probate. And that's why we recommend a revocable living trust to our clients. So there is a difference, and that difference is huge. Probate can make things complicated that you want to keep simple. So we tell people, when you're planning your estate, when you're asking the question, hey, what's going to happen to my assets when I die? Maybe you're planning a trip this summer or early fall, and you want to make sure you have things in order. Make sure you're asking the question, can I title my assets in coordination with my document? And the answer will be no if it's a will. The answer will be yes if you choose a trust. Kevin, give people your information so they can come in and talk to you about Gary, my website is kevintharp.com. How should you invest for your retirement? 
That's coming up next. How do you invest for your retirement? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Kevin, we get this question all the time, and a lot of times it's people asking about the nature or the type of investment they should have when they're planning for their retirement. Of course, you had a 401k most likely, because most people do. You accumulated money in that all the year, all, in, all through the years, and it was invested in the market. It was invested in mutual funds for the most part. You added money to it, it grew. Now you've accumulated maybe quite a nice nest egg. Both you and your spouse both could have two really nice nest eggs. So now you're ready to plan for your retirement, and you want to know how these investments should be treated in your retirement should they keep you should you keep them the same way you had the 401k or should you diversify your your portfolio a little bit more by getting into other types of investments we never recommend an investment to somebody unless we know what it is they want to do unless we know what they want to do in their retirement to make sure that their investments address what it is their retirement's going to look like a lot of times People do put the heart cart before the horse and have these investments, and you think, I'll just match my retirement plan to these investments. That's not the way to do it. Your plan, what you, the things that you want to do should absolutely determine the way you're going to be invested. So we're not going to say, you know, what kind of stocks do you like? Kevin, do you like Home Depot or do you like Coca-Cola stocks? And you might say, yeah, I love those stocks, and so let's put some money in those. That's not what we're going to do. You know, you may have your preferences as far as investing goes. We certainly want to hear that. That's our job, too, to understand the things that you like. No Pepsi Cola stock, by no the way. Pepsi, That's an no absolutely Pepsi-Cola guaranteed. Stock. That is not part of the portfolio. For me. <laughs> so we need to know things like, you know, number one, when are you going to retire? When do you want to retire? How much income you'll need for your retirement? What do you? The, what are the things that you want to do in your retirement? What is your lifestyle? Income comes first. Then what do you want to use your money for outside of income? The things you like to do. You mentioned charitable, um, charitable organizations a little while ago, Kevin. Travel, golf, whatever those things are. Children, grandchildren. That's what we get. We understand what your values are. The things that you really love to do. The things that you're passionate about. Your plan should address that. And then your investments will address that plan. That will give us a good idea of how we need to invest. You talk about rule of thumb a little while ago with the rules of thumb that we were going over and the 80, the, the 60, 40 rule. We don't like that rule of thumb. We don't not like rules of thumb in general. Uh, people always will say, well, the best time to start taking social security is when you're older, right? When you're at maximum Social Security age. The best time to start drawing Social Security, you wait longer, you'll get more, so wait until you're 70. Well, that doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes you're better off getting your Social Security. It's age 62. It depends on what your needs are and how that fits the rest of your retirement plan because there are advantages 
to taking it early, and I'll try it earlier, and I'll try to get to that in a little bit. So, you have to remember that the key to the uh, a successful retirement plan is a well thought out plan that addresses the way you invest. And this is something that we want to make sure people understand, and we help you get to this point by understanding what your values are. You know, your objectives are important. There are different types of investments. No one particular investment, no one particular investment addresses everything that you possibly can do. It just doesn't work that way, no matter what that is. And I'll give you an example. Let's say that you, you're looking for a tool, and you, you, wanna, you have a project that you're going to do. And so you maybe think a hammer is the best thing to have for that. So you have this hammer, and uh, then you realize that, wait a minute, this project doesn't involve nails at all. It involves screws. So I've got to have a <laughs> screwdriver. That hammer does not do you one bit of good when it comes to putting screws in, unless you want to use the hammer to drive a screw in. And that fast, that type of fastener is probably not going to work for you very well then. Trust me, I've tried that before. <laughs> yeah, we, I heard, you know, you, your wife may have intimated that to me, but I'm not, I'm not naming names here. But, yeah, that's, that's exactly why you one size does not fit all for somebody. Let's say you walk into a hardware store, and the clerk is there, very helpful clerk, got this big display of hammers all over the place, and before you can even tell that person what it is you want, what it is the job that you're trying to do, why you need a tool, they start telling you you need a hammer. Well, they don't even know what you're doing yet, and they, they're already recommending what you should have to do it. And so what we want to do is for, and financial plans work the same way. There are a lot of advisors out there that will tell you about some particular investment before you, they even find out what it is you want to do in the first place. And this is something that absolutely creates more bad retirement plans than anything else. It makes bad estate plans as well. Exactly. And we're talking about uh, that very important difference uh, today on Truth and Planning with Gary Anderson, financial advisor. And Gary, that is a you see this in, in both industries. And sometimes you and I kind of feel like that clerk over there that's, you know, in the background going, come here. If you're trying to accomplish this, have you thought about a screwdriver? Mm -hmm. But sometimes that big hardware company is pushing a particular tool that month or that quarter. And you see that a lot in the financial industry, that your advisor or the company they work for is pushing a particular investment or investment product. Well, and you know, that's a great point, Kevin. The if the person is a hammer salesman and that's all they sell is hammers, what do they think they're going to recommend to you? Okay, how about this hammer? Well, and then for specialty situations, we have another hammer. But none of those hammers, I will promise you, will drive a screw and put a screw in the right way. But they're a hammer salesman. There are a lot of financial people out there that are like a hammer salesman. They do one thing. They have one type of a, one type of financial account or one type of financial product that they're trying to push you into. And how can you tell? Because that's all they're talking about. The time you start wanting to know about how you can plan, they continue to go back to that hammer, let's say. 
And that comes with a lot of different types of products. We see it with annuities. We see it with mutual funds, things like that. Every type of investment product has its place, and it needs to be something that addresses you in particular and doesn't necessarily, it's not something that this particular person wants to profit from more. One thing we have to look at as far as your retirement goes, once you've stopped working, we want to look at liquidity. Another thing is growth. Another is safety, and another is income. All these things need to be a part of your overall investment plan and your retirement plan. There's no perfect tool. None of those things will address everything. So like the hammer, maybe you have to have a screwdriver. Maybe you have to have a drill. A lot of different things that you need to have as a part of your plan to make sure you can accomplish this goal that you have. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to help you with is to make sure that you have the proper tools to get through your retirement, that you have a roadmap to get through this retirement. And so by the time you leave this earth, both you and your spouse, there's still going to be money there, and there's a good chance that you're going to be able to leave this to your children, grandchildren, or a charitable organization, whatever it is, whatever your passions are, continue that on. And that can be done as long as there is a plan that all these investments are a part of. The stocks, you know, that's it. they're they're liquid. We like we we put people in investment accounts with stocks and mutual funds, ETFs, things like that. But that's liquidity. But a lot of times there's more more risk involved, so you don't necessarily need it all in stocks. That goes with any type of financial, even a CD or a an annuity. Things like that have particular they address particular needs, but they don't address everything. We want to make sure the plan we put together for you addresses what it is that you want. And Gary, how can our listeners take that first step to make a difference in their retirement planning? Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847, our website, gary-anderson.com. In the next segment, we're going to talk about joint ownership, beneficiary designations, and trust. Which one is best? Joint ownership, beneficiary designation, or trust? Which one is best for me? I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Kevin, we were just having a conversation about which types of investments are good for people during retirement. And we we determined that it depends on the person Mm -hmm. and depends on their plan. And it sounds to me like you're kind of headed in that direction when we're talking about what retirement tool, what estate planning tool works for people as well. Yeah, we've talked about in this show and the previous show, um, we talked about these things called rules of thumb. And we talked about in the legal industry, when it comes to what's going to happen to my assets when I die, the rule of thumb that most people recommend, uh, most attorneys will recommend is get a will. And you get a will, you're taking care, you have your plan, you have a complete plan. But what we talked about on the previous segment was that following that rule of thumb is going to come up short. 
because a will is missing title of assets. And uh, the good thing is about a trust is you can title your assets in the name of that trust while you're living so that when you die, you avoid probate. You have a complete plan. Now, titling, we talked a little bit, and we've talked about this on the show before. When I say titling of assets, I'm talking about one of two ways that in the legal industry is considered titling. The first way is how is the asset owned? There are certain types of assets that how it's owned will determine what happens when you die. Things like real estate and banking accounts and automobiles. So when a person dies, is their home titled just in one name or is it titled in two names or is it titled in a name of a trust? And many types of assets, actually, Gary, fewer and fewer assets today focus on that form of titling. Real estate is one that's exclusively you have to title it. It's how it's titled while you're living. How is it owned that will determine what happens to your real estate when you die. And it's either sole ownership, joint ownership, or it's a trust. And that's the same with many banking accounts. But in the financial industry over the years, financial accounts have trended towards beneficiary designation. Financial accounts in the financial industry have now joined the life insurance industry where those are assets where you can name a beneficiary. And so uh, those are all forms of titling. Joint ownership and beneficiary designation are forms of titling. In fact, they are forms of titling that can often make a difference between whether you need your legal document or not. Will is a perfect example. Let's say I have a will that says when I die, I leave everything to Missy. And then when we're both gone, uh, we leave everything to our daughter, Callie. And let's say I have a life insurance policy and I name Missy as the beneficiary and I name Callie as the second beneficiary, which often happens when I'm talking to an insurance advisor. And then over on the left-hand side, I go talk to a lawyer about doing a will. And the two don't communicate with each other. The two are not coordinated. My will and beneficiary designation are not coordinated. And I die. Is Missy getting the life insurance because I spent money on a will and a document? Because according to the attorney, that document controls everything. But unfortunately, the beneficiary designation, when not coordinated with my document, It determines that Missy gets everything. And so I don't have a coordinated plan, yet I've spent money and time preparing this legal document that means nothing. So this form of titling can literally negate the need for your will. It can trump whatever's in your will. I've seen throughout my career many times that people spend time and money to do a legal document. And let's say my wish, Gary, is when I die, I want to leave everything, I want to leave a particular asset to Callie. I want to leave everything else to Missy, but I want to leave a particular asset to my daughter. And we see that a lot when people have blended families. Mm -hmm. I want to leave some of my stuff to my children from my previous marriage and leave everything else, certain things to my spouse to take care of them. So they put that in a will. 
but they don't change the beneficiary on their uh, life insurance or their retirement account, and they have their current spouse as the beneficiary. And then spouse dies, husband dies, and it comes time to divide that life insurance policy. The kids are there. Well, the will says we're supposed to get the life insurance policy. The will says we're supposed to get the retirement account. And guess what? The life insurance company, the retirement account company, they say, we can't talk to you kids. <laughs> we, we don't even know who you are. And we don't care to know who you are <laughs> because the beneficiary designation, a form of titling, was not coordinated with the will. And guess what happens? Title trumps will when they're not coordinated together. Same thing with joint ownership. If you have an asset that's owned jointly, like a bank account, and we see this a lot with married couples, but we also see this a lot where married couples, as they get older, not only jointly own an asset with their spouse, but they also add one of their children's names to their account. And maybe they have multiple children. Maybe they have two or three children. And their will says split everything three ways and they die. That bank account that has one child's name on it, it's not going to the other beneficiaries because title, joint ownership, trumps that document. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson with Anderson Anderson. Why am I? Hey. Okay, Ready? You're listening to Truth and Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney. And today we're talking about ownership, soul, joint, or trust. And Kevin, you're telling us, you're leading us into the best way to own things, the absolute best way to own things. And I always wonder why this something that seems this simple can be so complicated when you start talking to other advisors out there. Because they take something that is simple and they try to make it complicated so they can default to that rule of thumb. Well, just name your kids as beneficiaries. Mm. Just put your uh, the folks at the bank. That's the rule of thumb uh, in the banking industry is just own your bank account joint with your children. Just put your son or daughter's name on your bank account. And they primarily do it because it's an easy, convenient thing for the bank. It gives that son or daughter access. They don't care about distribution. They don't care what your legal document says, although their advice for you to title things that way. And folks, let's be real. This is the reality part of this show. It happens every single day. People at the bank will tell you how to title your bank account. It's often, well, you just lost your spouse, Mr. Tharp, so you need to put your son's name on your bank account. They don't care what your legal document says. In some cases, I've had people report to me that bankers have said, you don't need to title it in a trust. Just put your son or daughter's name on your bank account. You cannot tell a person, whether you're a financial advisor, a banker, a CPA, or whoever you are, the insurance advisor, you cannot tell a person how to title their assets and it not have a legal impact. It can negate a legal document. It could end up giving things to people you didn't intend to or wanted to give things to. It could end up causing probate. It could end up causing asset protection problems. This is why we like recommending a trust. Because number one, a trust is going to making your trust the beneficiary of your life insurance or retirement account 
rather than your spouse or children, it's going to provide asset protection. Number two, it's going to avoid probate. Jointly owning an account, owning an account, titling it in the name of the trust is going to give, allow you to keep ownership and give others access. So it is a trust is a form of titling and it is the best form of titling. It is the best beneficiary designation you can name. It's the best way to have assets owned like it's joint and giving others access. Kevin, if I want to make sure that things that I own now are going to go to who I want it to go to, how do I do that? Contact me, Kevin Tharp, T-H-A-R-P-E dot com. Boom. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investment involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstance. No statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. 